Welcome to My Runner's Mind, where we run with gratitude towards a life of happiness and gratefulness. I'm your host, Stina Turgeon, and I believe that as runners, we're uniquely positioned to choose gratitude over negativity. Running itself is so badass, and each run offers multiple opportunities to turn a potentially negative thought or feeling into a positive one. Tune in as I'll share behind the scenes of what goes into my 12-week program, My Runner's Mind, which is mindset and spiritual coaching for women runners who know that they're ready to shift away from the shoulds and ought tos in their running routine and replace them with want and desire to live a happier and more balanced life. Are you ready? Let's go! Hey runner friend, welcome to episode 112. Today is part two of a two-part interview I did with nutrition coach Kelly Largay. We talk all things nutrition and how to nourish your body and mind for optimal running. If you've not listened to episode 111, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that one first. Otherwise, enjoy this episode. Yeah. So, I mean, something really simple that we can all start doing more of is just speaking kindly to ourselves. I mean, and it sounds maybe a little bit foolish, but even just looking in the mirror and saying, oh, wow, these earrings look nice on me. Like just practice being nice to yourself because I think so many people, we we pick ourselves apart. We look in the mirror and we see all the flaws and we never actually speak kindly to ourselves. So even if you just wake up in the morning and say one nice thing, just get yourself into the habit of actually being kind to yourself. It sounds so silly and insignificant, but it really does go a long way. I mean, think about, especially for the runners who are listening, think about what your body does for you. I mean, you've run miles and miles and miles, half marathons, marathons, ultra runs. Like it's incredible, yet we are still so mean to ourselves and pick ourselves apart. So that's something that anyone can start doing. Just say one nice thing a day, just get in the habit of being kind to yourself. I love that. And, you know, as I, what I hear you say, as far as, you know, what the body does for us when we're out running, I would, you know, whether it's one nice thing you say to yourself or celebrating a win, I also like that. So just kind of think through your day and, and pick one thing, nothing is small, nothing is big. It really just is. And I know for me, I mean, so I would say something nice and then immediately in the back of my head, I would hear the peanut gallery saying something negative, right? So it took a little bit of, you know, getting into full stop, something nice, full stop and not let the peanut gallery squawk in the background, right? For sure. And again, that's where, you know, being in a community with people that are doing the same or with a coach or something can be super beneficial because it it certainly can be, you know, you might feel like you're taking one step forward and two steps back because you're like, I'm doing this by myself and, and nobody's acknowledging this. And it takes a while to kind of building this up. Another thing too, just another like tip that I have for your listeners is to make sure you're being realistic with Mm -hmm. your expectations. And this is kind of like coming to the forefront of my mind. I have a client who I'm working with now. She had a baby six months ago and she had a really, really tough pregnancy, a really tough delivery and a really tough recovery. And she was telling me, this was actually just yesterday when she and I were communicating. She said, man, I just look at myself and I think I'm never going to look the way I used to look. I'm never going to weigh what I used to weigh. 
And I said, you know what? That is okay. Like you're a totally different person than you were two years ago before you had your baby. I mean, your body has been through so much. And I think sometimes we really do ourselves a disservice by comparing ourselves to who we were two years ago or five years ago, or, you know, in high school, we're really doing ourselves a disservice because I mean, our bodies are constantly changing. Like even where I am now from where I was five years ago, completely different. And I go down that trap too. I compare myself to what I was like in my early twenties or my mid twenties and, you know, oh, I can't run those paces anymore. Well, that's okay. I'm going to try to run paces that I wasn't running four months ago rather than 10 years ago. (laughs) So I think we just do ourselves a disservice by setting these really unrealistic expectations. And with this particular client, I said, you know what, maybe you'll be able to get back to that body weight. Maybe you won't, but it's not really fair to to hold yourself, you know, to compare yourself to who you were before you got pregnant. I mean, think about the trauma that your body's been through over the past year. And I think that kind of set off like a light bulb moment for her and that like, okay, wow, I really shouldn't be pressuring myself to look or be like that anymore because I'm completely different now. Yeah. Yeah. I think we get fixed sometimes in the matrix that we choose to gauge ourselves ourselves by or our self-worth by as, as runners it's very common that the you know the smartwatch becomes kind of the end all, end all be all I mean like the scale in your community right where the yeah. smartwatch is the one that determines if we had a good run or not yeah <laughs> I mean yeah. newsflash it's not but I think a lot of us do that rather than really leaning into how did the run feel on more of a qualitative level I mean did I see something really beautiful on my run. Did I get to have, I, I know you love to bring your, your dogs on me. Did I just have a moment there with my dogs on the run? Or I love to catch the sunrise, right? Something like that. Or it just feels good knowing my body can move me all yeah. these places, right? Well, it's funny you say that too, because this particular client, she's training for a marathon and she had just finished her longest run to date, which was 10 miles. And in her check-in form, she's like, my 10 miler felt great. I'm feeling so good in my body. And then right below that, she's like, I just don't think I'm ever going to weigh what I weighed two years ago. And I'm like, but you're feeling great. Like you are about to run a marathon. <laughs> like your runs are going so well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're kind of just, we let the scale trump the success right. that we're actually seeing sometimes. And that's where having a coach is so valuable, right? Because you can kind of redirect back to that awareness. Like, do you see these two competing things? And yeah. one of the things that I really like for both myself, but also talk to clients about is just this little simple question. What do I make it mean? Because that offers that insight and that awareness on, and what do you make it mean? You won't get back to your normal weight, for instance. Or what do you make it mean? You won't get back to your minute mile like you had 10 years ago in high school or whatever. And then really just kind of create awareness for ourselves on, oh yeah, what do I make it mean? And actually, and is this something that's you know uh, important enough for me to maintain or you know can I let it go and release it, right? Yeah, yeah. Be curious, uh, yes. be curious about your thoughts, you know, be curious about your thoughts. I couldn't agree more, but I think, I don't know if this pertains to diet culture only, but I definitely know that I was not curious about my thoughts. I thought that that was, you know, kind of letting go of control. And then, you know, that was just going to snowball like an avalanche out of control. So again, mm-hmm. just shows you that it was fear that kind of, kind of was yeah. in the driver's seat there. Right. 
So then talk a little to me because one thing is to, you know, find what nourishes the body. And like I've discovered for myself that yes, so I can track what and I can kind of match the the calories that ideally I should be eating. But talk to us about how to strike a balance between nourishing your body and enjoying indulgences, because that's actually one of the things that always stands out for me in, in your social media post that you do a good job of saying, listen, I want to be able to indulge in whatever it is that you like to indulge in also, right? So how do you strike a balance? Or how do you teach? people? Yeah. So one thing that I like to work with my clients on is I call it the 8020 guideline. And I hate to call it a rule because, you know, rules just seem so restrictive, but a, a guideline of 80-20. So basically what that means is that 80% of your foods are coming from more nutritious foods. You know, there's no good or bad foods, but fruits, veggies, lean proteins, starchy carbs, and then leave a little bit of room for those indulgences. You know, I love to drink wine. I love to eat dessert. I eat dessert every single night. That's coming from the 20%-ish. And, you know, it's not a perfect science, but that's coming from the 20% of these fun foods that I allow myself to enjoy. Mm -hmm. I think for most of us, we're either all in or all out. So it's like, I'm only going to eat healthy foods. And that almost always results in a binge, right? And then once that binge happens, you go from being all in to being all out. So it's like, well, I've already screwed up. You know, I'm just going to continue to eat these non-nutritious foods and who really cares? So I know it can be really scary, but oftentimes it comes down to starting to incorporate some of those foods that you're a little bit fearful of, like the foods that you feel like when you say fearful, is that the ones like, I mean, the sweets that you're worried will just escalate then or yeah, like something I hear often is I can't eat for me, it was Oreos. Like I can't eat Oreos because I won't be able to stop. One will lead to a whole pack. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And That's you know ice cream. No, yeah. thank you. You're saying. Ice cream is an easy one to not be able to stop. <laughs> but oftentimes, as scary as it feels, the solution is to actually allow yourself to enjoy those foods. And yeah, you may have moments where you binge on them, but eventually, if you start to realize, like, wow, these these foods are abundant, like I can have ice cream whenever I want. It's not like a situation where, okay, I started eating the ice cream, so I have to finish the carton. You don't. I mean, if you stop eating and put it back in the freezer, it's going to be there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless someone in your family eats it, but in that case, right, you just go right down the street to the grocery <laughs> store to get more ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think just giving people permission to actually eat these foods that they've put on a pedestal for so long is a game changer. It's a huge mindset shift and it kind of helps to get you out of the all or nothing thinking where mm-hmm. it has to be. I can't have that. Or if I start having that, I just need to eat the entire package. Right. And I just think even, you know, verbalizing it, like you're verbalizing it, that a lot of it is really founded in fear. And I think a lot of us that have this whole all or nothing mentality, maybe very common in type A personalities and whatnot, you know, it the true growth for anybody like us is really to get to realizing that there is a medium, a happy medium, and actually finding the courage to, to embracing that. Right. Yeah. And that's really the biggest trick to sustainability with any type of like fitness plan or nutrition plan is finding that balance between, okay, how can I, you know, maintain a body composition that I feel good about and that I'm happy with and like, you know, maintain energy levels and feel good while also being able to actually live a life. Cause I'll tell you, you know, when I was 
at my thinnest thinking I needed to maintain this really low body weight. I had no social life. Like I was not going out with friends. I was not having restaurant meals and man, it really stunk. So, you know, what we really try to do with our clients is to find a balance between, you know, maintaining where you feel confident and energetic and where you feel your best, but also being able to incorporate fun foods and actually go to social events and have a couple of drinks and and stay on track with your goals. Nice. Nice. I like that. And I, that kept popping into my head. So I want to make sure that I share that. I also wanted to just share with the listeners also. And that's one of the things I've seen you share on social media. And that really speaks volume to me also is that you, you will post a post and say, well, I worked out today, not because I ate a lot or I ate a, you know, a a treat yesterday, but because today's a workout day, today's a lift, lifting day, right? <laughs> so that's why I'm down here in the gym. And so I also think that kind of where, you know, it, it just alters maybe the relationship also for your for your clients also and for anybody looking that taking lifting, running, whatever it is that they do to become more of a lifestyle rather than I do this so that I can eat this because that's typically why why people come into exercise in the first place, right? But I'm guessing a lot of your clients also maybe realize that they start enjoying their chosen exercise more, whether it's it's walking or if it is lifting like you or running like you or stuff like that, right? And that's a great point. It's such a slippery slope when you start using fitness as a way to punish yourself for what you ate or what you plan to eat. Like I have clients who, you know, they'll run 10 miles so that they can then indulge in whatever indulgence they want to have. And man, that becomes such a slippery slope because it really sets you up to not not really enjoy your exercise. And also actually also not recover well, probably because, you know, you're not staying true to a training plan, you're probably overtraining, right? So that you can overeat. Yes. Reality. Yes. It's just, it kind of turns into a giant shit storm, if I can say that. Right. Just really terrible emotions and just not setting yourself up for a good relationship with food or really with yourself when you're trying to burn all these calories to, you know, punish yourself. Man, I remember Thanksgiving years and years ago, I would do like a two hour long workout to earn, earn those calories. And I think back on that and I'm like, oh my gosh, like it was just not healthy. And I see people do that often, to right. be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about then managing stress mm. and emotional eating. I'm guessing you see a lot of that. I definitely know a lot of runners that use running as a coping mechanism, whether it's for, as we already talked about things and eaten, but also maybe to deal with, you know, stress, whether it's, uh, you know, at work or with family or something. And ultimately, and I just want to put it out there because I'm, I know that, you know, this, of course, also as a coach that it's really use, you know, it's coping mechanism using running, for instance, in place of actually dealing with the true underlying emotions that are driving these things, right. And so I want to talk to you about managing stress and emotional eating, because probably eating is one of the top ways that people buffer. And when I say buffer, I just mean that they don't address their their emotions, right, that they they eat over them instead of feeling them. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think probably food is one of the number one coping mechanisms that we use for dealing with an emotion such as stress or anxiety or anger or loneliness. 
We'll all get together and eat when we're happy. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, oftentimes what happens is we, we make it a habit. So we start to feel this emotion. We'll just say anxiety and we turn to food. And the more times you do that, the more it's ingrained in your brain that when you feel anxious, food is what you need. When in reality, you probably just need to talk to a friend or maybe go for a walk or maybe you just need a hug. And you know what? I like to say to my clients, you know, it's okay to use food as a coping mechanism occasionally, but you don't want that to be the only tool in your toolbox. If every time you're feeling anxious, you're turning to food, that will eventually become a problem. If you don't have other coping mechanisms to turn to, it's going to become a problem. And one thing that we, it's the most simple trick, but it's really difficult. (laughs) One thing that we really work with our clients on is just when you find your, first of all, just creating the mindfulness of, okay, I know that when I feel anxious, I'm turning to food. Once you start to recognize that that's happening, then just add a pause. And it can even be just like setting a timer for five minutes. And once the timer goes off, you may still eat the food and that's okay. But you may have decided, you know what, that's not really what I needed. And sometimes just adding that five minute buffer and that five minute distraction is it can be a game changer in regards to breaking that automatic habit of feeling stress, turning to food, feeling stress, turning to food, because it does become a knee jerk reaction where, you know, maybe some of your listeners can relate to this. But I speak to some people who say, well, I just had the, the worst day at work, so much stress, so much going on in my home life. And then I got home and I polished off a bag of chips. I don't, I don't even remember doing it. So a lot of it too is about, you know, creating mindfulness around when it's happening and just recognizing that it is happening and then taking small steps to add that pause. Yeah. Yeah. Creating that awareness around it. So let's see. I like the pause that you teach your clients. I have myself implemented and I've talked to my clients about it also. Something that I heard from a life coach called allowing the urges. And I find it a really interesting concept. I don't know if you're familiar with it. And really what it is, is actually, so typically our reaction patterns are that we, we want to resist something. So let's say it's Oreos. That's kind of the thing that we can't handle. We just stop buying the Oreos altogether, right? Because then that makes it easier than we're not, you know, tempted to, to, we can't indulge in them basically. Right. Or we overindulge, but on the other hand, the whole premise of allowing an urge is actually to on a physiological level without truly eating them, feeling the sensation of doing it, right? And actually sit in in creating that capacity within ourselves to just kind of feel like what it would feel like if we ate that, for instance. So allowing that urge and then move through it and realize that, okay, I didn't really need it, for instance. It doesn't always happen successfully, right? Just like even having that buffer of five minutes that you talk about probably still sometimes leads to people still overeating, right? But it goes along with the whole idea of creating more of a mental capacity to basically dealing with our feelings around it, right? Yeah, So, And I think it's been so interesting with this allowing the urges because now I'm incorporating it into so many other aspects of my life that does not have anything to do with eating. For instance, yesterday I had to, to do a time test in the treadmill, a ventilatory threshold test. And at one point I was like, really, if I could stop, I would stop right now. (laughs) <laughs> and then allowing the feeling of wanting to stop actually enabled me to stay engaged in the activity because the, the natural inclination is to just resist. And when we resist, you know, 
we strengthen anything that we kind of resist becomes stronger, right? So anyways, it's been interesting to implement it in different areas. It's important to touch on just, it's okay to feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I will sometimes, you know, during my runs or workouts, I try to convince myself like when I'm, you know, trying to rep out a deadlift set that makes me feel like I'm about to die. I try to convince myself I love feeling uncomfortable. Like I love this feeling. And sometimes it helps. Sometimes it doesn't. But, you know, change is not going to feel easy. There's going to be a lot of uncomfortable moments. And we humans tend to shy away from being uncomfortable. And that's why a lot of people struggle with making change. But it's like, you know what, just try to embrace it. Like know that when you're feeling uncomfortable, that's probably when things are working. (laughs) Like that's probably when real change is happening. When real change is happening. Yeah, I like that you're bringing that up. Because so even if it's something that's hard that we're imposing on ourselves, like when you're working out, we can take that feeling of then being in something uncomfortable. And then that will actually come in and support us when something externally has been put on us that seems hard also. So we can Mm -hmm. kind of help support ourselves that way by practicing maybe ahead of time for when, when things sometimes end up becoming tough, right? Definitely. Definitely. I like that. Well, I think we're coming up. Ooh, we didn't touch on mindful eating for fueling necessarily. What share some, some thoughts on that. Do you have some thoughts on mindful eating? Yes. So one thing that I like to ask all of my new clients is when is the last time you ate and just ate, did nothing else? Because when you talk about mindful eating, that is something that most of us don't do. Eating tends to be something that we do almost like in the background. It's like, you know, you're running your kids to soccer practice while you're slamming a protein shake and an apple or whatever it is, you know, think about and you're and for your listeners, you guys can be thinking, you know, when is the last time that I just sat and ate without driving my car, without scrolling my phone, without watching TV? I mean, even for myself, like I'm always doing something else when I'm eating. I'll admit that, you know, I'm human. So that is a question I love to ask new clients. Like when is the last time you you just ate and did nothing else? And what would you people- say the typical answer is? I'm like most people can't even remember only just, on a date night. Maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> I've had months maybe. ago. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I think that mindful eating, whereas it's really important, it's just not something that we do anymore. Our society and our world is just so busy that we don't really think about food as much as we should, you know, we don't want to be thinking about it to the point where we're obsessing over it, but eating should bring some kind of enjoyment, you know, and if you're like scarfing down your foods and not looking forward to your meals, like, I think that's a problem. I look forward to every single meal that I eat. And I think just creating that mindfulness and just sitting and eating and just try it. It's really hard. Like this sounds silly, but it's really hard just to sit and eat and do nothing else. But I would challenge your listeners and even you, CNA, just to try it. Like, just sit, don't look at your phone. Don't even like have a conversation with anyone. Just eat and really just like kind of get into like the texture of the food and the taste of the food and just enjoy it. I think it, it will be surprising that you might just sit there and think, wow, I cannot remember the last time I did this. Yeah. And I think one of the important thing that something mindful like this will do for people and they'll find if they do it is that it'll have a trickle effect in all other areas of their life, right? For 10 minutes, maybe three times a day or something, they will kind of shut down all those beach balls that are constantly churning in the head that it is in all of our heads, right? 
And well, it's kind of a little of a meditative practice, right? When we do just one thing. And it's interesting you bring it up because last week when I had my retreat, it was one of the things that I really kind of brought up to everybody who participated that, yes, it is a running retreat, but it's a mindful running retreat where I was like, let's really think about how we can be present with the one thing we're doing. Because I had a client tell me a while ago that she was like, I usually always have entertainment going on, which is so true. Think about runs. A lot of people will have some kind of entertainment going on when they run, right? Because they need a distraction for their running rather than tuning into the one thing they're doing, right? And so actually, one of the things we established during the week last week for the retreat was that they had to find an activity that they would be really present in the moment and they could pick it or you know, I offered up some suggestions. It could be every time they wash their hands, really tune into the hand washing. And I would say for our listeners also, if mindful eating is too big of a jump just yet, because while that doesn't work, because I have a thousand things going on with people talking over me or we're chatting about things or whatnot, or I have to eat at my computer, then pick a different activity and just start there and and learn to become mindful in just one thing. Toothbrushing, maybe most of us brush our teeth several times a day. So there's plenty of opportunities to do that. Or like I said, wash our hands or or just stop for 30 seconds and really tune into your breath when you take a breath, right? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because we get a lot of people coming into Ace Nutrition who have GI issues. They say, oh, I'm, I'm constantly bloated. I get belly cramps. You know, I, I can't eat three bites of food without feeling really, really full. And I mean, it's it's not always a miracle solution, but you'd be surprised how often it's like, okay, I just want you to eat and just eat like no more rushed eating, no more, you know, we're just not taking time talking and eating and then sucking in so much air. Exactly. And sometimes that simple thing, it will relieve a problem that a person has had for decades. And they're like, Oh my gosh, I thought I was allergic to like 16 different foods. Really? I just needed to slow down. The doctor wanted to give me three different prescriptions, but you cured it by telling me to be mindful. Yeah. I love that. I love it. (laughs) That's no, I mean, and it's just profound that way. So I think in anything we do, if we can bring mindfulness into it, it'll be a game changer, right? Yeah, I think the last thing I really just wanted to touch on, and maybe you already touched on it, what should runners consider when creating a personalized nutrition plan? I mean, you talked about really kind of creating awareness around are they under fueling? Any other tips you want to give them? Yeah, so I mean, that would be the first thing just kind of ask yourself, you know, am I am I eating enough food? And, you know, go back to the beginning of this podcast, where I gave some examples of symptoms that can come about from under eating. Another thing you can do if any of your listeners are calorie trackers, I mean, a, a decent way to estimate the amount of calories that should keep you weight stable is to take your body weight in pounds and multiply it by 14 to 16. Hmm. That should be a decent estimation. It's not a perfect science, but it's a decent estimation of what your maintenance calories should be. I think what a lot of people will find is that they're nowhere close to eating that amount. So if you are a calorie tracker and you don't mind doing a little bit of math, that would be a good way to just kind of determine whether or not you're actually eating enough. The other thing as runners that we really need to make sure we're getting enough of is protein. And most people are not getting enough protein. This is really, really important for recovery. I mean, we think about when we're running, we are pounding the pavement, we're breaking down tissue. So we need to be getting enough protein to make sure that we're repairing that. For anyone who's a food tracker, just to kind of give you an idea of where you should be in regards to body weight in pounds, you want to be eating about 0.7 to 1.2 grams of protein per pound of body weight. 
if you're not a food tracker, a good guideline that you can use is just to eat four to five servings of protein a day. One serving is roughly the size of your palm. Oh, that's a good visual. And if you guys hear a dog barking in the background, I'm sorry. <laughs> One of the GSPs that's always with me. <laughs> it's like, mom, hurry up. <laughs> no, these were super helpful tips. Before we we sign off, Kelly, it's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. It's always a pleasure seeing you share information in the running community, running in a line, body and mind. She's on every Friday with Nutrition Friday. If you're not in the group, come check us out. It's a free resource, free community. Tell everybody, tell the listeners where they can find you, your website, your your social handles and all that. Yep. So I am on Facebook and Instagram, just Kelly Largay. Mm -hmm. Largay is spelled L-A-R-G-A-Y. Perfect. I have a free Facebook community similar to yours, Stine, where myself and my co-coaches, we share nutrition tips and information. That's just called Ace Nutrition Community. Just so people know. So feel free to join. That's free. You get free nutrition advice. And then my website is just acebarbell.com. And you can see on there, you can meet the Ace Nutrition team. And you can also get an idea of what we offer in regards to nutrition coaching on that site. Awesome. And I will leave all the links in the show notes. So go check it out. If you feel that, you know, nutrition coaching could really kind of help you get on track or, you know, you feel that, guidance and coaching is really what could kind of um, help you improve just your your experience your body image I should say and then your experience of running also so very cool thanks Kelly thank you so much thanks for having me hi runner friend let me ask you are you ready to ditch the negative self-talk to get off the struggle bus if so Join the private podcast designed for runners who want to reignite their passion for running, discover how to reframe thoughts, find joy in running, and achieve remarkable results. It's time to transform your journey. Let's dive in and unlock power within to overcome self-doubt and embrace a new mindset. Sign up using the link in the show notes. So if running is our practice ground and we can turn every experience into fuel, then we can transfer it to the rest of our life and positively impact our whole world. Just one run at a time.